episode 14 of Shoulder Charge. Apologies for it being a bit late. I was a bit busy this week, so yeah, that's why it's delayed a couple of days. But it's still in time before the, the new round starts. But anyway, I think we should just get right into it straight away. And I think we should start off with a whole derby. Let's, first of all, talk about Hull KR. Because they were quite impressive, weren't they? They were free scoring, they were pacey, they were passing the ball about, going across the line with the ball. The highlight of the game, though, was that Ben Crooks try. There was about four offloads in it, about ten passes. And then Crooks got it down on the wing. And it, there's a marked difference in terms of Hull KR's style this year. They seem to be just going for it in games this year. And in these first two games, they seem to have sort of... They're proving the critics wrong a bit, aren't they? And let me tell you, if you've been listening a few episodes ago... I'm not one of those critics. I've got them down as finishing six this year. And everything I've seen of them is showing that it's right, in my opinion. I think they've adapted a similar style that Warrington are now playing as well. You know, sort of throwing caution to the wind, getting the offloads in, seeing where it takes you. You know, the coach seems to be believing in these players a bit more. They seem to be having a go in games. You know, they seem to be more attacking. They don't go in against Hull FC and think, right, we've got to defend for our lives. We've really got to, you know, keep that score down to keep us within a chance of getting two points. No, they're thinking, right, we've got all these players who are attacking. They've got track record of scoring tries and we're going to try and outscore the opponents. And I think that's a good attitude to have. And I think that's why Hull KR are doing well this year, will do well, and why they've done, why they've got, you know, they, they nearly could have got, off, they nearly could have got the points against Hull, Hull FC, but it was that missed conversion that really swung it in Hull FC's favour. And like I say, you could tell from who they acquired that they were going to be an attacking side, and that's exactly what they're doing. And... Let's not forget the last time that they played Hull FC away, they lost 52-12. So, you know, that just shows the improvement for me. And yeah, it is early days, but they was up against this Hull FC side that are really exciting, that have got brilliant players in their squad now. They've got Josh Griffin, who I'm going to talk about later on. And Hull FC have been showing why... Many have tipped them for the good things this year. They're kind of the dark horses this year. Some are saying they might get the grand final. And they've always been there and thereabouts. Last year they tailed off pretty horrendously. But this squad seems to be different. So for Hull KR to push them for you know a good 50 odd minutes. That's very impressive for me. So yeah. Hull KR doing quite well. But Hull FC, again, impressive. I think, you know, Josh Griffin had a bit of a field day, which we still see why Hull KR are fragile, yeah. 
Griff, Josh Griffin in particular got through that defence too many times and there were gaps in that Robbins defence as well. We know that they not good defensively. I think they were the worst for points conceded last year and they've added the players to correct that but obviously it ain't going to happen overnight. So they're always going to be shaky in that defence but... The score was much down on it well on last year. But yeah, the quality shone through in the end. Anyway, let's move on to Warrington against Saints. And it were Warrington who nilled Saints. And I had it down as Saint Helens win as well. So I weren't <laughs> I weren't too happy when I when I saw Warrington were just stopping Saint Helens in the tracks. And to be honest, from about 30 minutes onwards, you thought, Saints don't look like they're going to win this. And then when it went to about 50 minutes or so, you thought, Saints ain't going to score in this game. So, yeah, it was a very good performance from Warrington, who have been very impressive in these first two games. And they've not had it easy. They've had it against Wigan and Saints. And, yeah, they did lose against Wigan. But, arguably, you could have said they could have won that and like I mentioned a bit ago Warrington's new style you know they're getting the offloads in a lot of times when they're in the tackles and in these early rounds it's paying off because the opposing sides are not used to it they're not used to this kind of Warrington offloading the ball every time and it is a risky business doing off offloads all the time because that ball can go anywhere and sometimes they're just offloading it for the sake of it and it can be very counterproductive. But it's took many teams by surprise in the early rounds and it's it's worked to their advantage. They're also doing the short dropouts, which again can go either way. It nearly backfired on them, but they held up Saints on the line. But again, it just shows the coach has belief in his players. So they seem to be the top side at the moment, but I can easily see it where they're going to go for a bad spell because it's all good and well doing the offloads and the short dropouts, but there's going to be games when they're just not going to win because of that style. They can't be on it every game, but in that game, they seem to be a lot fitter this year. They're, they're very energetic, and that's probably due partly because they've got Mike Ashton sprinting up and down, you know, saving tries one end, assisting or scoring at the other end. And they were very quick off the line as well. Saints didn't get many chances on the ball. You know, them six tackles were gone in a flash. And the possession, it were, it were few and far between for St. Helens. And it were good to see Warrington... Every time they stopped Saints from getting anywhere near the try line, they were celebrating it like they'd just scored a try, like they'd won a game. So, you know, the players are really giving it their all. It's obvious to see that. And the big marquee signing, Gareth Widdop, still on the sidelines, well, where's, where's he going to fit in? Because you can't say that anybody in that Warrington team at the moment deserves to be dropped. So it'll be interesting to see how Warrington do because 
I think last year for about twelve games. I think they won. Did they win the opening twelve games? But then we we saw how much they tailed off. So are they going to be the same again? Who knows? Saint Helens, though, for me, they were disappointing. Whether or not they already had men out, and yeah, they had injuries already, and then a lot of them had to go off as well. If you'd have put that team that finished the game to start the game, I don't think many would have actually backed St Helens to win. And I think on our league, it was only about 4% who actually had Warrington for the win as well. So it weren't just me who got that one wrong. So yeah, they did have lots of players out, but I think they've still got to be better than that. The, the grand final winners shouldn't be getting nilled. I don't care how many young players they've got on the field. Because they didn't look like scoring once all game. And they did have players out. But they still had players like Theo Farge, Regan Grace, Kevin Nagaima, you know, Luke Thompson for God's sake. None of them had a good game. It was all a night to forget for them. And, you know, they've got a they've got a bit of a tough schedule in the opening rounds and if they want to be in that top position they're going to have to start getting winning games because it's not going to come any easier next uh, not next week in a couple of days on Sunday when they play in Hull FC but the good news is Tommy Makinson Kyle Amor Morgan Knowles and Alex Wormsley should be back but they still are missing key men, Lachlan Coote, James Roby and Percival. Who will, uh, Percival probably will also miss the World Cup Challenge. So yeah, interesting times at the top of the table. Moving on to those who will probably be bottom, well not fully bottom, but in and around the bottom spots. Salford and Toronto, looking at that game, it weren't the best defensive performance from both sides actually. Salford won 24-16, but I thought there was a lot of questionable defending, a lot of gaps all across the field from both sides. You know, it, in terms of quality, I didn't think there was that much, to be honest. And I could see why Saints put 40-odd points against Salford, because, you know, there's, there was gaps all over the field, really. And on the first try for Toronto... I think it was Gary Wheeler who ended up with the ball and he came from the wing position and went towards the middle near the sticks and he bypassed about three or four Salford players on the way in and they weren't they weren't scrambling to get hold of him. They were bashing him apart. They were very weak, you know. Salford were quite good defensively last year and they were they were one of the top teams. They were the surprise. And the, yeah, they've got rid of loads of players. But for me, that ain't good enough. And it, that's why I think they're going to finish about ninth place. But they got the points. Albeit against Toronto, where I think are odds on for relegation with Wakefield. Kevin Brown apparently, though, had a good game by all accounts. Seemed to be involved in Salford's success on the field, but it was a bit of a tailor to two bad defences as well. That Reese Williams try, straight from the kickoff as well. 
just absolutely ran through every man on the field. And <laughs> I'm not you've probably seen it on social media, he's been he's been called the most seller of rugby league because have a look at it. Search the Reese Williams try because he, the 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 resemblance is a bit uncanny to be honest. But did you not see that the tweet from World Rugby, the the other the other code, trying to say oh you'll be ready for the twenty twenty three World Cup, the cheeky sods. Trying to say it was Union when it was League, but yeah that that's just a bit of fun on social media. But yeah, I think this game perfectly showed why these two sides are not really going to do much because too many gaps and Toronto only scored 16 with that many gaps. So yeah, tough season for these two, I think. Wigan lost. What's what's going on with them? Because it's only two games in, but... They were sluggish against Warrington, arguably shouldn't have won, and then really poor against Castleford. Didn't see the game, but I saw it on the highlights, and Wigan had a couple of opportunities for tries, and they squandered them. And Castleford took the two points when they was on offer, got them points on the board. You know, I think Wigan were a bit ill-disciplined, to be honest. So... Wigan have got a few things to rectify, actually. And they're not looking like grand final winners at the moment. And I thought they'd walk the two games, actually, these first two matches. You know, they've added to the squad. They've got really good players. Arguably one of the best squads this year. They've got a settled coach. There's no upheaval about who's managing what and all that. You know, they should be winning these games. So there's a few things to think about for Adrian Lamb and I'm not too sure, you know, why. But um, they have got Toronto next, so that'll be the perfect opportunity for them. And the other games were called off. Huddersfield v Leeds was postponed and Wakefield and Catalans was also postponed, which is a bit of a shame because I was, I was very interested to see, you know... Can Huddersfield do it against Leeds? And similarly, are Leeds any good this year? And Catalans, what sort of squad do they have? Well, we know what squad they've got, but they're supposed to be top players and they're not showing it. And word is, Israel Falou might be making his debut. So, have a look at the 21... 21- 21-man squads for that. So that's that story's never going to... That story's going to keep on going, even if there's no developments. Usually, at this part of the podcast, we usually look at a player in particular who's performed over the weekend. Last week, it was Matty Ashton, as I'm sure you're aware. This week, we ain't doing it because, basically, the games were called off. It was going to be somebody from the championship, but the the hourly streaming was off because of Storm Kiara, Kiara, whatever whatever the Storm were called. That's now Storm Dennis. Yeah, so that takes a break this week. We'll have one next week. So 
moving on, we have got quite a few stats actually. So, in terms of the stats, the top meter maker of both rounds is Josh Griffin. He's made 324 meters, and in round two, that was 139. And he was running through that defence with ease. He topped the tackle bus. He had 12 in round two. So 12 tackle busts against Hull KR. I think if you take Josh Griffin out of that Hull FC side, do Hull KR have a chance there? I think they do. And overall for Josh Griffin, it's 20 tackle busts. Reese Williams, incidentally, is just behind him in those uh, charts there. In terms of errors... Sonny Bill William tops the table for those. I think he's on seven. I think the errors show that it was always going to be a tough transition for Sonny Bill Williams, you know, being out of the game for so many years. He's had to adjust to the, to the style of play, hasn't he? But he seems to be adapting quite well. He had seven offloads in the Salford game. So, yeah. It'll still take a bit of time. But next week he's got the, got the week off. I'm, I think it's just one game. Because I think the birth of his baby. So yeah, Sonny Bill won't be in action next week. But got off to a slow start but seems to be adjusting to life in Super League. Now then, we'll move on to the Championship. And we might as well start with what I thought was a bit of a shock result. Lee battered Sheffield Eagles 58-10. And... Lee are never an easy side for Sheffield Eagles because you look at the past record, Sheffield don't come out on top that much. I think Lee have won at least five, if not more, of the the last appearances. And Mark Aston weren't happy after the game, you know, saying his side gifted them the possession, you know. They were just punished. I think there was, there was a hat-trick within 17 minutes from Lee. And the first two tries were from knock-ons. They were kicking the ball out on the full. They was offside from a kick-off. I think Mark Aston described it as men against boys, which the scoreline proves it. Sheffield Eagles still missing experienced players, though. But it's it's been a tough opening season for them because they were they played very well against Halifax, yet lost out to the to to just a point, then played Lee, who is a bogey side for them, who have got full-time players in the squad. They've got the dual reg with Saints. They, they're looking like they're going to push for the grand final this year. And now they've got Toulouse next, who are full-time, who many are predicting they're going up as well. It's going to be a tough few few games for them. So I don't know how they're going to rectify that, but I think they've got to go back to basics. They've got to, they've got to stop making errors. They've got to be disciplined. But Lee are looking very good, and they're definitely going to be top five. Are they going to be in the grand final? Probably. And talking of other grand final contenders, Toulouse, they beat Oldham similarly, 58-6. Didn't see the game, but looking like a tough season for Oldham. You know, to to lose had a bit of a field day there. Also, London Broncos, shaky again. They narrowly beat Bradford last week. 
Now they won 36-20 against Whitehaven. And this is newly promoted Whitehaven scoring 20 points. And London were really impressive in Super League last year. They missed out just by two points. Yeah, London have gotten rid of quite a lot of the players that made them tick last year. And in the game, Whitehaven, they were actually leading 2010 at one stage. So yeah, interesting by London actually. It's never easy going back down, but they they're still full time and they do they what they are aiming for getting straight back up again. But yeah, I think they're gonna have to improve. But they're shaky and they're still winning games, so you know, they've got a lot to improve on, but they're winning games. Interesting to see who they're against next, let's have a look. So they've got Witness next. So that's going to be a tough one because Witness, Witness, uh, they've they've won their first two games as well. Beat Batley and Oldham. So Witness, they won thirty two twelve. And they beat they beat Batley as I've just said. Last week Batley couldn't quite hold on against Featherstone. They they ran them pretty close so. Bit unsure about Witness and where they where they'll actually be as a team, but I don't know. I think I think they might they could be a top five for a team because they weren't far behind. If you negate the twelve points that they got took off them last year, so yeah, Witness might. I think they'll be top five. That'll be an interesting game this Sunday. It's that witness, three o'clock kickoff. So the real test will be that game. We'll really get to see what those sides are about and where they'll finish. And all the other games that I ain't mentioned, they were all postponed. Not sure when they're going to be played again, but yeah. Moving on, we've come to the prediction stage of the podcast. And we'll start with tonight's game. It's Wigan v Toronto. Now then, Wigan was sluggish in the first two games. This, though, is the perfect opportunity for them to put it right. Toronto, really shaky in defence for me. Too many wide gaps. Bevan French, Hastings and Co. really going to exploit that, aren't they? Got to do, surely. If Wigan want to win that grand final... They're going to be dispatching of Toronto, surely. Toronto are not imp- They've not impressed me in these first two games. Yeah, they're newly promoted, but they've got a small squad. Have they got the players to stay up? Questionable. Are those players, those media? They've got some mediocre players who are on quite big salaries. So there's been a bit of a mismanagement there as well. It's got to be Wigan. Yeah, they've been rusty, but this is the time where they're gonna they're gonna hit full full cylinders, surely. Wigan will win that one. By at least two tries. But we we don't usually mention the the margin. We just go with the wins. So Wigan win. A home win for Wigan that is. Then it's Leeds v Hull KR the night after. This one is one that could go either way. Leeds, again, remember, didn't play due to the postponement. So we don't really know much about Leeds. 
But what we do know is they lost quite convincingly against Hull FC. 34 it was in round one. And they were against Hull KR who last week similarly lost to Hull FC as well. But I think Hull, Hull KR was actually a lot more impressive. They was in it for most of that game and they did look impressive attacking wise. Still some defensive issues but a lot of attacking firepower. Going into round one you'd have expected Leeds to do a bit better against Hull FC actually and I've said Hull KR are going to be top six. I've said they're going to finish six this year. I've seen nothing in those opening two rounds to suggest otherwise. I'm sticking with the fact that Hull KR are going to surprise everybody and Leeds are going to be a bit better, but pretty much the same. So that's why it's going to be a Hull KR win. Then we move on to Salford v Huddersfield. The early signs from Huddersfield are that they're a dangerous prospect. Aidan Caesar's a tough guy to handle as well. And Jermaine McGilvery, he scores tries pretty much every game. So it's going to be a high scoring one, I think, this one. And we've seen from Salford's opening two games that there's a lot of tries to be had in that game. And it could get quite high scoring, actually, I think. I think Salford will have a few tries of their own as well. And Huddersfield didn't, didn't play at the weekend, but they beat Castellans in the opening round. And they, they've they been tipped for top five. I've got them fifth place. So they surprised me. I think Salford's defence is just not good enough at the moment. And that's why Huddersfield are going to win away. Then Catalans v Castleford. Another team that I'm not sure what to expect of because even last year, halfway through the season, we we still weren't sure what to expect of Catalan Dragons because they're so unpredictable all the time and they always have a good squad but they never deliver. Their game was also called off last week. And not many are going to be actually back in Catalans anymore to win games after the uh, Israel Falao situation. But in terms of Castleford, they were impressive against Wigan. Dis- very disciplined. You know, they got those two points when they came on offer. They got the points on the board. And they defended well. There were quite a few chances for Wigan that Castleford defended very well. Yeah, I think it's going to be Castleford, actually. So, yeah, Castleford win. Catalans proving to be much of the same this year, I think. Then it's Hull FC v St Helens. This is going to be the interesting one. Shame this one's not on TV, actually. And it's been tough for Saints, the opening fixtures. I referred to that earlier on. And then they've got to contend with the World Club Challenge as well the week after. Good news is, as I've mentioned earlier, they've got quite a few players coming back, but they're still missing Lachlan Coote and James Roby. We've seen from Hull FC that they've got a lot of attacking prowess. I think Hull might do it, actually. You know, with with Josh Griffin in there, 
Jake Connor, Ratu Nelago. These are dangerous players, actually. And will St. Helens have one eye on the World Club Challenge? I know it's a week after, but I don't know. Maybe it's just maybe it might be a subconscious thing that they've got a big game coming up. And it is worth pointing out that Hull FC weren't it weren't the perfect performance against Hull KR, and they battered them last year, and they only just missed out Hull KR last week. So, you know, you could look at it that way, but I think Hull KR are a better team. And the fact that Hull FC still won says they are that good side. Saints were sluggish against Warrington. Yeah, they did have a lot of players out already and then some had to come off and didn't return. But they still had Regan Grace, Kevin Nagaima, Theo Farge and Luke Thompson on the field. And they didn't have a sniff. So it's a it's a close one to call that. But I'm going to go with the team that's in form, and that's Hull FC. And then the last fixture is Wakefield v Warrington. Now, I usually make the case for both sides in, in the predictions. I usually weigh it up and decide after that. But we've seen how Warrington have done in these first two fixtures. They've nilled Saints. They've only missed out because they did. they got a red card against Wigan who were very sluggish and barring the Bevan French performance weren't all that good. Warrington have been the best side for me so far. And you could say how can you say that when they've when they've lost one and other teams have won both their opening fixtures. But I think they have. It was unfortunate circumstances. Wakey were comfortably beaten thirty twelve by Hull KR in round one. Not sure what the fact that the game postponement, what effect that'll have on. Will a week off be beneficial or will it be worse because they've had to stew over a loss for two weeks or will it have given them the respite that they need to correct the things? Who knows? But Warrington are far too good for Wakefield. No disrespect. Yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't think of a reason why Wakefield would get the win. So that's why it's Warrington. So to recap, we've got Wigan to win, Hull KR to win, Huddersfield to win, Cattleford to win, Hull FC to win, and Warrington to win. So that's one away, one away win, two away wins, three away wins. Four away wins. So I've gone with four away wins this, this time round. So, who knows? Hopefully improve on last week's performance, which was a bit dire. Getting the Wigan and Saints one wrong. I got the whole FC right. and Let's just say I would have got the, the two get postponed ones right, I, I think. so. So, that's it for this week. We'll have another one next week and I'm pretty sure it'll be out at an earlier time than it was. I'm sorry that it was a bit late but it'll be out at it'll be out Tuesday, Wednesday time. Back to normal for next week. Um we'll also have a player watch 
providing Storm Dennis doesn't interfere with business. Sorry, it was a shorter one this week, but, you know, not as much to talk about with the postponed games. But, yeah, see you next week.